0: It's preview season, and this time we have the American Association. This and some Atlantic League talk on this episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Hey, right where you are back again. Episode number 165 of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will, and we have a preview, and we have The Atlantic League to talk about today. Obviously, the preview is what you came for, but the Atlantic League is still happening and needs to be talked about.
1: Yeah, it still needs to be talked about, and uh, it's been quite the interesting start to the Atlantic League for sure. I mean, out of all the teams that we could have thought would look unbeatable, uh, it's been the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. That yeah. just looked dominant so far. Uh, and the Staten Island is still very bad. And uh, Gastonia is still really good. And that is, and Long Island hasn't figured it out yet. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, like that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of surprises early on. And it's hard to say if it's a trend and something that's going to continue throughout the year or if it's just early season still figuring it out. But as you said, well, Southern Maryland, I think that's where we should get started on. 11 straight as of the time of recording this. That they should be playing tonight as well. So maybe it'll go to 12 at the time you're listening to this. Maybe it'll stop at 11. But either way, I mean, 11-2 and two or 12-1, and one, that's an extremely good record. And it's a team that is, to be honest, surprisingly good. And, I mean, they've beaten teams that I guess you could argue are so-so. in Lexington, a Wild Health that has not been very good. Staten Island that has been very bad. And Lancaster, who has been... Uh, more or less uninspired. I'd say I won't call them bad or good, just very uninspired baseball. Uh, so yeah, I can't right tell if this is just a team that still is trying to figure out its placing, if this is a team that is actually this good, or if this is just a team taking advantage of a weaker schedule yet.
1: Well, I, I think there. it's probably a little bit of both just because uh, Just because obviously, yeah, they haven't played very good teams yet. And that's that's just the reality of it. However, I think that it also takes, a, they also should get a lot of credit because it's baseball, right? And yeah. there's, it's, it's tough to beat any team, uh, as uh, going on an 11 game winning streak. And I mean, you look at the, some of these numbers on this team right now, and, uh, honestly, like, they're just no hole in their lineup at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could change, but it just does not seem, I mean, outside of maybe like Braxton Lee, uh, who, at least he's hit some singles so far, just nothing else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everyone else, everyone else in that who's starting every day for them has just been has just been dominant. I mean, J- I mean, Jared Walker's got five home runs already. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, Jared Walker's been huge for them. Um, and it, it's it's the, the lineup has obviously been really good. The pitching has been excellent. Uh, I mean, they as a team they have a two seventy five ERA. I think we knew their pitching, um, specifically the back end of their bullpen, was going to be very strong coming into the season. So it's not a huge surprise that uh, that they are that they're good. Because I mean, I picked them to go to the championship series, but I think it's I don't think anyone saw them steamrolling the competition. I mean, when you got guys, I mean, specifically, I mean, I look at the back end of this bullpen; it's just been. It's just been terrific. I mean, Andrew Spursino hasn't given up a run yet. He's picking up right where he left off, uh, last season. I mean, Patrick Baker has been, uh, has been terrific. Uh, Daryl Thompson is doing what he does, uh, um, in, at the top of that rotation. Uh, I mean, really just the, the whole, the whole rotation, it, it sounds cliche, but everyone is, everyone is kind of firing at the same time. And, uh, and as of now, that's just resulting in, in win after win after win.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a large part of it. Plus, Hull's a guy who still has an area of zero through a couple of starts of his own. So that's not too, too bad either when you have yet to give up an earned run uh, through the first 12 games of the year. But, I mean, you look at the offense, I think that's really what does it here because we know they're going to be a good pitching team. They were a very good pitching team last year in a league where pitching teams were kind of few and far between. Even the good ones weren't that great. They, they can hit now. You mentioned Jared Walker with the five home runs, but I mean, Ruby Silva's the guy who's hitting 300, has 17 RBIs. There's a bunch of guys that are just kind of chipping in here and there and everywhere. Uh, Hoggs, another guy that 360 batting average with 12 RBIs, they're pushing the runs in. And I think that is really the difference here, at least in the early onset, is that they can hit now. They're a diversified team. And overall, they just, they look better. And it's hard to say what exactly it is all about that. But it's something to be be said. It's a very impressive start. Like you said, we both had them to go uh, to the playoffs. You had them going a bit further than I did. And I just don't think either one of us really saw it coming to this extent. And I think, unlike one of the teams we're going to talk about in a second, this is a team that I don't really think has too much of a risk of having a lot of guys picked up. I think a lot of their bigger performers either just aren't that appealing to major league orgs or are just a little bit too old or just are not likely to leave. And if that's the case, and this is a team that really could, if they can just keep it up at this point or even just play like six and four baseball for the rest of the way, is going to be one of the better teams in the Atlantic League, especially in recent years.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, as far as uh, just just Southern Maryland, just a quick, just a quick point yeah. on them. I mean, they're still playing... Uh, Wild Health this weekend, another another winnable series for them before they have a big series against the aforementioned uh, Gastonia Honey Hunters. They played them six out of their next nine games is against Gastonia. So I think we'll get a lot. I think we'll get some answers about uh, about both of those teams uh, after that series. But right about Gastonia, I mean, their lineup is just shredded so far. I mean, they have been awesome. Uh, and it's not even so much that they're hitting for that high of an average, but the power is just is just startling. I mean, they're tied to the lead in home runs with Lexington, who obviously we know is going to hit home runs. They have Courtney Hawkins. In the yeah. uh, but, I mean, the, again, that we talked about last week uh, the speed aspect of Gastonia, and that's really showed itself uh, really for a second straight week. They have 37 stolen bases as a team. Second, second place in that, Southern Maryland at 25. Third place, York at 15. So it, it shows that, uh, that Gastonia really has kind of changed that offensive approach a lot. Um, and they've been really, really hard to stop. Uh, that, and the lineup has, is just been really, really good. And obviously, uh, Rosa, um, Rosa is winning the first Atlantic League player of the week, a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah it's just not something we I think a lot of us saw coming early on we'll see if it evens out again they're playing Southern Maryland six times in the next next two weeks so uh, I think we'll get some answers about them
0: very much and like the best way I kind of describe them is almost like a shock and awe type of team where they come at you with very aggressive you know they're stealing bases they're going right against you and for a lot of teams it kind of takes you back by it especially when you look at the kind of teams they have played you know southern are not southern they have played uh, Stanton Island they played York they played Wild Health they played Lancaster these are not exactly the strongest teams in the uh, in the world normally they're actually towards the bottoms of their respective divisions here so that definitely helps as well but at the end of the day even even playing these kinds of opponents to put up 10 wins and I believe what was it was it 10 in a row or was it nine in a row before they got the one lost in extras to York
1: I think they had... uh, It was either 9 or 10, I mean, I know. Either way, I mean, it's impressive, but... Yeah.
0: But, I mean, still, they just come at you. I mean, you look at overall the whole lineup, when you look at, like, the guys that have played 11, 12, 13 games, the lowest really batting average you can find is a 220, which if your lowest batting average is 220 and it's skull, then you know he's going to turn it around. So you feel very comfortable with where you're at. And overall, I mean... The second lowest is a catcher, and then I mean the only other guy that's kind of even remotely close to low at the two thirty three is uh, Reese Hampton, who's another guy that you know has the potential to turn around. And even then, they're still finding ways to kind of stay productive and stay useful. Like get again, the base pass, like Hampton, for example, has eight stolen bases, and if I'm not mistaken, that puts him in the the upper two or three for the team for uh, for stolen bases there. So it's still this team is just like such an odd one to judge. Like you were saying, you're going to get answers when they start playing better quality opponents like Southern Maryland. But as of right now, it just feels like a real shock and awe type of team.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's weird to talk about the, the, the top tier of the Atlantic league saying like, Oh wow, this is a, this is a battle between two of the, uh, through the league's best teams, at least early on in Southern Maryland and Gastonia. And of course, High Point is right in that conversation as well. But, uh, and Lexington's starting to figure out themselves. Long Island struggling. And they've lost five straight. Uh, but they have a series against the Barnstormers this weekend at home. You would think that at least, you know, weather permitting, how they could probably win that series. Uh, but it's just weird to talk about Gastonia and Southern Maryland is like, wow, these are the two titans in the league so far uh, with High Point not too far behind. High Point's certainly not a, a surprise. It's a really good team. Yeah, they uh, But it yeah, out. it's certainly weird to, weird to talk about.
0: It, it really is. And I, you mentioned High Point. I want to talk about High Point too because, I mean, they're one of the kind of five teams I have written down here to really talk about. And I understand we're supposed to be doing a preview in a little bit, but this, there are some really good interesting points from the Atlantic League two weeks in. And High Point's one of them. They started off very sluggish. And we were last week going, "Ah, I don't really know, it's hard to say. And then they started to really separate themselves from the pack. Nine and one, their last ten. Again, they haven't exactly had the most difficult schedule in the world, but certainly much more difficult than the other two we discussed. Again, Wild Health, again, Lancaster. But a Charleston team that's kind of in between. They're really hard to get a read on this far, too. But that's uh, not the easiest series. And then they just swept Long Island. So it certainly is... A uh, a much better team. They're definitely figuring it out from uh, some early in the year struggles. They're not hitting as well as you'd like to see, but the pitching is really, really good thus far. I mean, their top four ERA leaders are all at two or under two. So that's something that's extremely important. And it's just really showing that the pitching's figured it out. They're going to pick up the batting a little bit. And even then, the batting's been pretty all right. You know, nothing to write home about, but certainly not terrible either
1: no it's been that starting rotation that's just been lights out uh for them and i mean listen look the top three guys of that rotation are manzetta uh justin nicolino the former major leaguer mm-hmm. uh and and brady nail as well i mean or brady excuse me not nail lale brady lale uh brady lale who's of course one uh one pitcher of the week i mean he's he's uh still at era under one through his first three starts uh, and, uh, Nicolino, an ERA of 2.04 through his first three starts, and Manzetta, an ERA of 1.74 through his first two. Uh, so it's gonna be really tough to, uh, really tough to beat a team like High Point when they're continuing to the pitch like this. They have the best ERA, uh, team wise, and, um, they have the best ERA in the, in the league at, uh, at 250. Uh, they're not, they're, they're not walking guys they've they've only walked 35 guys in 119 innings um which again that's been the consistent that's been the consistent uh trend when you're walking guys uh you're going to be near the top of the of the league kind of like the york Revolution uh, at the moment being the top of the top of the league in era at 8.13 vol to their credit have to mention it every show yeah. a little bit better 6.02. A uh, little okay. definitely improvement over where they were. Uh, so, sh- so shout out to them. Uh, but yeah, the, the high point pitching staff has just been wiped out so far. And um, we'll, we'll see how much that continues. Of course, pitching fluctuates so much during the season with who gets picked up. Could totally see a guy like, um, like Lale getting picked up. Could totally see a guy like Nicolino maybe getting picked up. I know he's a little bit older, uh, but totally could see those two guys getting picked up potentially. Uh, however i i think that high point has shown that they're able to replenish talent at a at a good enough rate to kind of offset that to kind of offset those inevitable guys leaving because uh, they high Point is always uh they're always stacked at the beginning of the season but i, I think that at least early on when they start losing some guys they they do a, they do a fine job replenishing those guys. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. Uh, but I mean, at least early on starting rotation, just lights out for them.
0: Yeah, I got to agree with that. And also the bullpen too has been extremely good. Hensley through about nine innings as an ERA of 1.04. Choplick 1.8. Crawford 1.8. Uh, glorious. Again, he hasn't pitched much, but he has an ERA of zero as well. Overall, this bullpen's very, very solid as well. And that's helping out an awful lot, but, um, Looking elsewhere, the only two other teams that I feel like we should discuss are both from New York. I'm going to start off with Long Island because unlike High Point, they really haven't turned it around, and I can't tell what this team is quite yet. They've lost five in a row. They're five and seven on the year. It's a very meandering team. It's not a bad team. I don't want to say I'm concerned about it because, again, we're 12 games into the season. We're like not even a third of the way through the first half of the year it's also long island so you kind of expect to turn it around but honestly nothing about this team really excites me all too much so far the batting's all right travis is really kind of keeping the, the team afloat offensively and then you look at the pitching wise and seeing that should be a lot better particularly at starting pitching is just not really doing it and Whenever they have a good start, it seems like they can't quite get the offense together. It just seems like this is a team that's very out of sorts so far to this point in the year.
1: I think for the Ducks, listen, I'll be damned if I, uh, I'll I'll be damned if I <laughs> doubt the Long Island Ducks and their uh, in their track record of success. I mean, yeah, overall it hasn't been good at all. Uh, certainly, the the bullpen is something for the Ducks that you you look for you look to be the strength of that pitching staff. Just really hasn't been there. Uh, I think offensively, I think they're fine at the moment. I mean, you're talking about guys who are struggling like LJ Mazzilli. I'm not worried about LJ Mazzilli picking it up because that's, it's, it's kind of just what he does. Yeah. Uh, Vladimir Frias, uh, he, he's had a rough start to the season, but he, he's hit better over the last couple of days. I think I'm really not worried about them offensively. Uh, I think they'll be fine pitching again. I thought that this was going to be like, probably the, be- the best pitching staff in the league and so far it has not been that uh and that's that's the only thing that at least is a little bit concerning however you know if there's a certain group of players that are not getting it done uh, for the ducks on the pitching side they're they have no problem switching up that whole roster quick uh but at least overall i mean a 5.87 era as a team that's not going to cut it um uh, specifically with their starting pitchers. I mean, Scott Harkin's off to a rough start for them and a guy that I thought that they would be able to, to really rely on in that rotation. Uh, so Harkin, Harkin has definitely been, been rough early on. Akil Morris, uh, has been rough. Bennett Perry, a guy who was, yeah. uh, was really high on. He has been pretty horrible in his first, in his first few starts. I mean, Brett Kennedy's been good. They're yeah. opening day starter, but that, that's about it. So, uh, however, they're the ducks. I'm not really in the position to to doubt them and not think they're going to turn it around. So uh, until this becomes a longer sustained problem, I think they'll.
0: Yeah, like I said, it, it's still early on, so it's hard to tell anything really until June. But uh, one thing that we can tell is that Staten Island just does not look like a good team. I yeah, mean, this, it's this is not a good team, and what's even worse is that. I'm not sure if you saw this, but uh, apparently Kevin Kraus got released. So that's just going to make it worse.
1: Yeah, uh, that's going to be tough. I assume that's probably, I don't know, like uh, they wouldn't release him for performance reasons. I would assume bigger problem. They let's just look at their game last night against Lexington. They lost 19 to two. Yeah. Uh, in front of a crowd of 655. But I'm going to leave that uh, at the moment. But um, I think, I mean, they gave up. You, you want you want to know how many runs they gave up over the last three innings, Nick?
0: Oh, how many runs?
1: And again, we're playing baseball. We're not playing football. Uh, they gave up 14 points. Uh, they gave up 14 runs.
0: Over that's three innings. A that's a lot. Yeah. Th- that's and the thing, too. We've been consistent. Like,
1: if they're going to hit, Clemens is going to need to be at the center of it. Yeah. He's been bad. Reimer Liriano, a guy who I was high on, has been bad. And outside of those guys, I didn't see a whole lot. Pretty much everyone else has been bad. I mean, I guess Betancourt and Ruda have been okay, but Susini's been fine. But, I mean, goodness. Uh, It is not good times at all right now for Staten Island, which is, a guess,
0: Pretty much what we predicted, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Aguilar's been pretty decent. And we did say that they weren't going to be all too good. And even batting-wise, we said they're not going to be the best batting team in the world. But we kind of expected the pitching to be better than this. At least certainly the bullpen pitching. And that's honestly probably been their worst uh, part so far. I mean, Campion has done okay. Kuz has done okay. Ray Anuso has been a pleasant surprise. But Jerez has just not been very good. Law has not been great overall. Like, like I said, the starting pitching's fine. Nunn's also been pretty good out of the bullpen, but the starting pitching's been fine between Soltar and uh, Tehran. Simpson was, yeah. you know, always going to be a grab bag and he's been okay ish. Rodriguez has not exactly been great, but to be fair, we didn't really know much about him coming in. And if we have the right guy from our preview, we had a feeling that that could get kind of suspect. And then they really just don't have a, a three or four or five starter. When you really look at the numbers, so that's kind of rough. But if that's going to be the case, the bullpen needs to be better. And I just don't see. Um, I just don't see it here.
1: No, not at all. I mean, the bullpen's been horrible. I mean, as you can tell, they gave up fourteen runs in in the last three innings of the game yesterday. And of course, the the Lexington lineup is ridiculous. So that should be mentioned. However. Uh, at the same time, I mean, the bullpen just has been rough. I mean, uh, they're, they're, I mean they walked 12 batters yesterday. Um, I mean, you would think a guy like Alex Katz would be a lot better than he has been so far. I believe that might have been his first outing of the year yesterday, though. Uh, just too many walks, even like Kelsey Whitmore out of the bullpen in the ninth inning yesterday. Uh, couldn't really find the zone. Only threw thirteen strikes and thirty-one pitches. Ended up giving up six earned runs. It's just not the fairy hawks. It just doesn't look good performance-wise right now at all. However, they do get a they do get a pass because they're broadcasts on a, on like the yes app. That's pretty cool.
0: Oh uh, yeah, no, they, the team. They, yeah, the
1: team not so cool.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you gotta give them credit for the production thing, like being on the Yes Up, and then they later rebroadcast the game on a- the actual Yes station, so like on cable. So, that I mean, like, that is a huge plus, certainly. And I mean, the amount of free press you're getting from that and the free marketing from that is just amazing. Hopefully, we'll start seeing that, that translate into ticket sales, and we'll see more people come out there. Likewise, I mean, like, I, I kind of want to give Island a little bit of a break. They've had some really tougher series, some tougher opponents. They've had Gastonia. They've just got done with Lexington. They're about to go back to Gastonia now. Really, I don't think they, they'll get a true break until uh, the end of next week, really, when they are middle beginning the middle of next week, I suppose. Um when they get York, but I mean, you had Southern Maryland, you had Charleston, you had Gastonia. It's not an easy start to the year for them either. So I, I kind of want to cut them a break there, but I mean, they also just are not doing much to inspire uh, a lot of confidence at this point. Once they get to and oh god, you know it's even worse for them. They have three against Gastonia, then they get a break with York, then back to Gastonia, and then they get Long Island, and then High Point. So it's not exactly, and then high point again towards the end of the month. They don't really have a lot of easy opponents coming up. So, I mean, that is uh, something against them as well. I just hope that they're able to try and stay this ship because if we get out of May and it's still like this, which, I mean, again, looking at the schedule, it very well could be, it might become too late to be able to save this ship for at least the first half.
1: See, that's, that's the lovely, quote-unquote, part of the Atlantic League that they can be this bad and then be good in the second half and make the playoffs. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I see it happening at the moment.
0: Yeah. They, they're going to need some help. But uh, with all that said, I think we're just about done with the Atlantic league. I think mean, there's too many other storylines ni- story to look at. Everybody else is just kind of floating around and existing, maybe wild health, but even then I, they're going to be the same boat. They've had a rough schedule and they'll figure it out. But really what we're here to do today is we're here to do an American Association preview. And I think we should get started on that. Let's do it. All right. So as uh, most of you know, we talked a lot about the American Association last year and the year prior. So I think we've become kind of invested in this league now more so than we have in the past. And uh, we'd like to do our previews. And so This week, we're doing the American Association preview. Their season starts next week. uh, Next week, we're going to be doing the Frontier League preview. So that meant the American Association gets put this week. Uh, General info for the American Association going into 2022. The season starts May 13th. So next Friday, as we just said, the season will end on its traditional Labor Day end. So you'll have 100 games between May 13th. And September the 5th, All-Star Game is July the 11th through the 13th in Chicago, which is more like Rosemont, but it's Chicago because it is the Dogs hosting 12 teams for 2022. Uh, Revised playoff structure, we'll get more into it in a second, but what you need to know about it is that the top four teams are going to make the postseason, and then they have a very different way of uh, deciding who plays who. Like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit more in one second. Uh, but first, the uh, the playoff dates, divisional round, will start on September the 7th and on the 10th. That's a best of three series. Conference final is uh, going to start on the 12th of September, run through the 15th. Again, that is a best of three series. And then the championship series is going to be a best of five, as it traditionally is. And that will run from September the 17th through the 22nd uh Looking at that playoff structure, what we have is the division winner in each of these divisions, which are now East and West divisions. Uh, Gone is North and South, better to accommodate the the new structure of the league. Uh, the division winners will get to pick their first round opponents, and like I said, the first two rounds are best of three. The championship is going to be best of five, and as I said. Only the top four teams in each division make it. The bottom two don't. It's a very expanded postseason. I can't quite tell if I love that or not, but I do think uh, the whole choose your opponent is extremely interesting. It'll be very curious to see how that works out.
1: Yeah, really interesting, and that's where you're going to see you're going to see these how these teams match up in the regular season. Um, You're going to see how. how these season series do they play a role in picking uh their opponents and that's just something it's hard to say what kind of factors will go into that uh until it happens uh until we get like a year where this actually happens so it's gonna be really fun uh, really really interesting i know obviously the postseason is massive yeah. so when when we uh when we it's it really becomes a not so much an accomplishment if you make the playoffs, per se. More just embarrassing if you don't. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the, I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess that if if you're on the end of not making the playoffs, that's bad, and I think <laughs> uh, that's not good. And you want to make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it, it, so it'll look it'll 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 be really interesting, and the the picking. But picking their opponent is going to be something we've never really seen. It's been talked about a ton, but nothing really of substance has ever been tried. And so, I think that's that's a really interesting point. I can't wait.
0: Exactly, and you never know if you're going to wind up giving a team motivation if you pick away from like the standard. And even if you pick like the standard, if you're the one seed, you're going to just take the whoever the four seed is in your division. That's still motivation because they're still still saying we're confident enough where we can win two out of the next three games against you. And so, there is a lot of factors that go into it. Also, I mean, it depends. Is this team a team that was very good, then got rated, and now it's not as good? So, you're going to take them even though they're going to say the three spot? Is it a team that kind of got hot, jumped into a four spot late, but it's still not an overall great team? There's a lot of different ways that this can go for the pickers that I think add a lot of drama, a lot of stakes. We talked about this more in the past, and I'm sure we've talked about it on previous episodes as well. And if you want more information on that, uh, definitely go and check that out. I believe, I want to say, we talked about that in episode 142. I know some of the rules that have been changed, we talked about 142, so i checked check that one uh, first for that. Uh, but that said, you are, right, well, I mean, at this point, four teams out of a 12-team league don't make the postseason, that's... It is embarrassing if you miss it. I mean, like, for example, this past year, if I'm not mistaken, it would have been, like, Gary, King County, Sioux Falls, and the Apollos that would have missed the postseason, if I'm if I'm right. Everybody else would have made it. And in there are some really teams that had no business making it. And uh, I don't love it. I understand why they're doing it. There is some more revenue to be had here playoffs are exciting i get that it's just still if you were like a 16 team league i'd be okay with taking the top four because at least then it's like okay well half the league makes it but it's not the worst thing in the world it's just a 12 i mean it seems a bit excessive
1: i think it's also just because it's different in in a sport like baseball where you're playing so many games in the regular season yeah that you're like all right well what are we playing what are we playing 100 games for yeah uh, what, what are we playing or we, we're just playing it for for seating and a best of three and i know it's more complicated than that because of course it's indie ball yeah. and there's guys that are trying to make it back to affiliated baseball so obviously it's not that simple and that 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 blunt however it does at least from a fan's perspective i think it kind of does seem that way that uh in at least from my point of view in, in the expanded play in the playoffs that are this expanded right, what are we playing 100 games for but you know the uh, play the playoffs will be fun. Uh, it's just there's a long way to go to get there.
0: Absolutely, I, I agree with that too. It does kind of turn the regular season to a round robin tournament of sorts. So it is what it is. But let's talk about some of the newer teams and the new division setups. In the West, we're going to have Sioux City, Fargo, Moorhead, Sioux Falls, Winnipeg, Kansas City, and the Lincoln. In the East, we are going to have Chicago, Milwaukee. Gary South Shore, Cleburne, King County, and the newest edition, the Lake Country Dockhounds. Like I said, they are new for the 2020 season. They are playing, and I'm going to hope I pronounce this correctly because I've spelled it out phonetically in the preview, Okanomowak, Wisconsin. So I think it's nice. Okanomowak. It's hard when you don't do it syllable by syllable. When you do it like... Well, can, I, can I get it one more time? Okanomowak. I think it's how it's pronounced. I spelled I'll it out phonetically it. in the uh, preview. Thank uh,
1: God it's called Lake. Thank God they called their team Lake Country. Oh God,
0: it would be bad. It would get really bad really quickly, and we would never mention them on the show if they didn't. Just because it would be too much.
1: <laughs> they win the championship. There's just no mention. It's just the team from up north. would do like some Ohio State, Michigan football type talk.
0: Yeah, it'd be like that, or we just go, "Yeah." So Lincoln lost the championship game. <laughs> we'd be talking about whoever lost be like i mean admittedly their opponent you know they they did well but i mean come on <laughs> so <laughs> we would be
1: committed to that
0: oh yeah it would just turn to a bit at a certain point if we made it to like june july and we haven't mentioned them yet it would be just run right through and be like yeah i bet the i wish milwaukee had an opponent in state you know something like that but uh yeah so we take a look now over at some of the news and off-season news and things that are new for the 2022 season. Playoff format is new. Uh, We just explained that. Uh, The commissioner, Josh Schaub, got a two-year extension with an additional three-year option that might go into effect. Uh, We've had him on a couple of times now. We're probably going to have him on again in the future. He's a real nice guy, great to talk to. He knows his stuff. And also, he's not afraid of shying away from, you know, rather direct questions that a lot of people would just kind of try to brush off or give you a run around answer. He doesn't do that all too often, which I very much appreciate. Plus he's active on social media and I appreciate that as well. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh then we have a couple of rule changes here. Uh extra innings rule is going to be over. Uh, Before, they used to just kind of keep the standard. You just keep playing the same way until you have a winner. That's being changed. It is now the universal rule, as I believe they call it, which is you start the runner on second with whoever made the last out the previous inning, unless you want to pinch run for them. Uh, We've talked about this in the past. It's the kind of thing that frankly you have to end games quickly in minor league baseball you can't have Tuesday night games going to 10 30 11 o'clock 11 30 at night that's just not financially viable and quite frankly nobody really wants to be sitting in Sioux Falls South Dakota uh, till midnight watching this game it's one thing if it's a postseason game then yeah you got to do it you just got to have it play normally but when it's a regular season minor league game kind of wrapping it up is, I'd say, fairly important. Um, automatic Intentional Walk is also in now, and the roster size jumps to 25 from 23. We have some other news, but let's recap that new rule setup first.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, the extra innings, it's, again, on its surface, is not a rule I like. However, in minor league baseball, I, I get it, just because, again, like, the, like you mentioned, there's not many people that want to stick out for 12, 13 innings uh, uh, on a week. Not chances are on a week night. Uh, it's just not, it's just not feasible. It's not realistic. Not to mention in Indie boss, it's not like you can just call someone up from AAA. right? Yeah. It's not like you can call somebody up and have them fill the roster spot for, for a day and eat some innings the next day. It's just not feasible um, for them. And I, I can understand why that this this decision was made even though the American association kind of marketed itself and branded itself a lot of about like hey this is this is traditional like, traditional baseball with no like extra rules attached I do understand why that this decision was made just because I think in minor league baseball it's something you, you kind of have to do um now playoffs different different story they're totally different story like you, like as much as as much as I love three-on-three hockey in the regular season, I do not want three-on-three hockey in the playoffs. No. Um, yeah. So as, as amazing as that is during the regular season. Uh, but but yeah, I, I think that I, I'm all I'm I'm all right with th- that decision being made. though.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, if you want more on those rules, uh, episode 142 is where to go for that. Uh, some other news, uh, repeat MVP, the MAG MVP, Adam Brett Walker headed off to Japan, Yamori Giants, who I have to say, he has done fairly well so far with the Giants over there. If I have the numbers right, which I hyperlinked everything, so I should, uh, he's actually hitting, uh, about 279 or 278 with about five home runs so far for them over there, which I think is, that's, uh, that's a pretty good, uh, they'll start to the season through 31 games you know
1: absolutely i mean uh, uh, japan is japan is a really really difficult league i mean as far as i'm concerned japan is uh, it's the second best league in the it's the second best league in the world be, behind the mlb and ahead triple a so i mean yeah. i mean you say that the american association and indie ball you can spy as whatever but when uh, when their best player is performing in japan which is better than triple a uh, it's, it, it, speaks to not only how much of a stud Adam Brett Walker is, which is undoubtedly true, but, uh, the, the high quality of the American Association. And, and of course that, that plays into the, uh, into the Atlantic League as well, uh, because they're in that similar boat also. Uh, but you know, it kind of shows and, and you just love to see, uh, Adam Brett Walker continue to perform. Uh, that's, it's super cool and, uh, he deserves it.
0: Absolutely. 100% on that uh other or elsewhere we mentioned chicago they got the all-star game this year they were supposed to have it in 2020 uh likewise uh sioux falls put in a new turf they're also doing a lot of other renovations a lot of other newer things we'll probably talk about that in a later week it was going to get put into this week but honestly we got more stuff to talk about but it's just a lot of nickel and dime type things that are going to make a serious impact like new padded seats for one section behind home plate. They're going to handle their own concessions. They're going to have new uniforms that are higher quality. So I assume that means we're getting embroidered and not sub laminate, which is nice to see. They're going to have leather belts, which I never realized they weren't using leather belts. I just kind of thought that was the standard. Um, And just a couple of other things that new ownership is going to take care of. So uh, but the infield turf is the big thing for Sioux Falls. Meanwhile, Sioux City, uh, they're in the middle of beef with their city over seats. It seems like with a week to go that this is either going to be turning into a non-issue or it's going to be some sort of emergency out button that they're going to hit. But they have nowhere to really go. So unless they're going to be traveling, uh they're just going to have to live with those seats for now. And then the final bit of news we got from the offseason, uh Greg Taggart, long time, long time manager for the Gary South Shore Railcats, departed for the Giants organization, and uh they're going to finally have a new manager for the first time in, I think, about uh, two decades. So that's big news from the off season.
1: Yeah, certainly a new era in Gary, uh for sure. Um and for uh, South far Shore. The, was
0: that <laughs> It's a big hour for South Shore, not just Shore. True, had to make the point. Um,
1: got you. You have to make the point. Well, it's like the, or else you know, like the locals won't like it. But uh, however, I, I think that, of course, and having uh, a, a rail cat season without uh, without Taggart there is going to be it's going to be interesting because it, it hasn't been done in uh, in a long time, and uh, of course with. The whole Sioux City mess. We we talked about it at, at length. They're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, for for right now, at least, not not for this season. So they'll it, they will they'll have to live with it. So hopefully that situation resolves itself. Uh, but at the moment, I I bet they just gotta live with it for the season. And
0: that's what I'd wager too. I mean, if you want to hear more about that whole situation, just go back to last week's show. We spend a lot of time talking about it. So. Uh, you could just get more information on that. All that said, we have one last thing to do before we finally get into the team previews, and that's just quickly look over the 2021 season. Uh, things you need to know quick at, quick at large, if you want. You can go and take a look at some of the links in our show notes on the website, IndieBallReport.com, to get a better overview of the statistics from last season. But the Apollos were used as a space filler, uh, that space was opened up when St. Paul left. Uh, Kane County was also added from affiliated ball, added Brett Walker won his second straight MVP in rather dominating fashion, I might say, as well as setting the home run or single season home run record. Uh, the KC Monarchs brand was revived. The T-Bones became the Monarchs. And the Monarchs, well, they just kind of ran through the whole league from about June on. When they went 69 and 31, uh, we saw Kansas City, Fargo, Moorhead, Cleburne, Sioux City, Chicago, and Milwaukee all make the postseason. Uh, Kansas City defeated uh, Sioux City in three games. Fargo, Moorhead defeated Chicago in five games. And then Kansas City ultimately won the championship, winning all but one game in the month of September by sweeping Fargo, Moorhead in three to win the championship. So with that said, uh, if you want more individual details on every team from this past season, you could go right again back to the website. There's uh, team reviews for everyone in this league that you can look through and see how your team individually did or any of the teams that we discussed uh, today, with the exception, of course, being Lake Country. You'd find Apollos instead of them uh, on that website to get a deeper review if you want to read that. So with that said, uh, we have anything else to say on last season, the off season before we get into these team previews?
1: Well, the only thing I have uh, left to add about the, about last season is, man, the Monarchs were in. that team was a wagon. I mean, yeah. that was- it that has to be one of the best, uh, indie ball teams that I've seen probably in, in, in my lifetime. I mean, that- I, yeah. and they were undoubtedly the best indie ball team last year. No doubt about that. Um, and I mean, that- they just had no hold. They went wire to wire. Just uh, what a great team! And uh, we'll see if they can repeat it this year. But uh, I mean, clearly, just a case of they the best team sometimes in baseball. Uh, <clears throat> frontier league uh, the best the best team in the league does not win, or the best team in the league does not win the championship. Uh, just like kind of like the frontier league last year because yeah. ba- baseball playoffs in any league is kind of a crapshoot. Yeah. Uh, that was not the case here. The Monarchs rolled everybody, and they were by far the best in the league last year.
0: Oh, absolutely. It, it, I think from about 4th of July weekend on, we were pretty much racing. Yeah, they're going to win the championship. And then by the end of the month, we we're like, oh, yeah, they're going to win this. This is not even a discussion anymore. I mean, they had something crazy. And I mentioned it in the preview for them, or the review for them, rather, which was they had like five winning streaks that went seven or more games last year. It was just insane. And it wasn't like they were just hitting seven. It was like seven games, nine games, ten games, eight games. It was just, like, insane. And they didn't... I think they only had one losing streak of five or more. I'm not even sure they had one, to be quite honest. I think they had one, though, in May, June, beginning of June, I think. But either way, yeah, they were just a force last year. Uh, So they were a team but we're now looking forward towards 2022 and that's look forward it's going to start with the team they knocked off in the championship last year in the Fargo Moorhead Red Hawks 61 and 38 last year a second in the north they like I said made the championship series didn't stay too long but no one really was uh Chris Coast is going to be their manager uh, coming back for his now third year. In the past two years, he was 89 and 70 as the skipper of the team. And of course, the friendly confines of Newman Outdoor Field will again be their home. And that going left or right to left would be 318, 380, or 398, 408, 353, and 314 for your dimensions. What do we like from this team at this point?
1: Well, right off the bat, I think, uh, one thing you could say about, about Fargo Moorhead this year. I mean, obviously they had a great year last year. Kind of just went, ran into, uh, the team that we've already mentioned a bunch of times and that being Kansas City. Uh, I I, also, I think Fargo Moorhead's going to be right up there in that conversation again. And I think right off the bat, the thing that I want to mention. I think they, the, they, they have to have the best catching combo in the league, and oh, I don't yeah. think it's that close. I mean, that is that jumps off the page to you. I mean, M- Manny Boscan, uh, we, it's hard to even say who will start. You would assume, like, one to try to DH, because you yeah. want to get both these bats in the lineup. But Boscan winning the batting title last year, a guy who makes a lot of contact, he rarely strikes out, doesn't hit for a ton of power, but he's going to get on base. I mean, he hit three forty four last year. So, uh with Fargo Moorhead. And how do you upgrade how do you continue to upgrade that catching position? Why don't you bring in Christian Correa? So uh I mean Christian Correa, a guy that uh had a great year last year, uh, with Milwaukee. They were able to get him to to Fargo Moorhead. Um he even had a little bit of time with Lexington in the playoffs last year. Uh, but I think right off the bat, you gotta say that that the Fargo Moorhead has the best catching duo in the league. Um and overall, I think, I think the lineup is really strong. Uh, I, I think the, the, I think that's the thing that, that jumps out. I mean, uh, of course, Silviano, uh, of course, Silviano and Drew Ward, uh, and, uh, Leo Leo P- and Leo Pena, those are the three guys that immediately make this lineup really difficult. And you know what? I, I think, I think the, the pitching is going to be decent as well. Uh, I think, inevitably i think what's going to be a really big storyline is going to be all right how is kevin mcgovern going to do in a full season back with fargo moorhead if indeed he does uh stay for a full season obviously he was great last year i mean he was virtually unhittable in his first four starts with fargo moorhead before getting picked up by the cardinals in double a struggled certainly struggled in double a that's why he's back here uh but how is he going to do after that double that experience in double a and coming back to the american association some guys have struggled with that in the past so certainly that's something uh, to watch out for but i think that uh, the, the pitching's solid i i think the lineup is really good though so i think that's going to be that's going to be a team that at least in the north is is in title contention uh for the north so i think really led by this lineup
0: i definitely agree with that uh korea it cost an awful lot to get and uh, He's certainly going to prove his worth this year, I think. He's a definite one-two punch with Boskin there. You mentioned Ping, you mentioned Ward. J- uh, Jordan George is another guy who had like a surprisingly good year last year, and I didn't really expect that from him. A guy like Will Zimmerman, too, is a really solid fielding uh, player. And Cavante Mitchell, he's the guy that played last season in Rockland, or I guess New York, technically speaking and he hit for some power, he had 12 home runs in 86 games, and he was about a 300 hitter, I really do think, and I understand Rockland's a very nice ballpark to hitting, because you have two short porches, which makes life so much easier if you're a push or a pull hitter, but at the same time, I really do think he could take advantage of Newman, I don't, think 314 is really all too hard to clear. 318 is not that hard to clear. If he's hitting to the center part, then yeah, he's going to have a little bit of a hard time. But I do think he could be a kind of a come-from-behind-surprise type of uh, batter there, certainly. The pitching, like you mentioned, is going to be kind of the make or break on this team. Logan Nissen is a guy that had some really good starts last year. I think we called him player of the week one week as well. So he's shown a little bit... I'd like to see more consistency out of him, and if he can be a little bit more consistent, i really like him to be a force for this team. Ryan Flores is a guy that kind of got pushed and pulled between the bullpen and between the starting rotation. This is a team that last year had a really good rotation and then lost guys. They lost Pike, they lost McGovern, they lost, uh, I believe it was Herget, another guy as well. So those three very big arms that they thought they were going to have and they were gone. So then guys like Brett Helton had to throw... Crazy amounts of innings. They had to pull guys from the bullpen to kind of make it work, and they did make it work in the end. So that's going to be something there. But Dylan Baker's a guy that I think should also step up. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, he had kind of a so so year last year in Kansas City, if I'm remembering right. And yeah, not even a so so year. 21 innings he pitched there. It was a 257 ERA. So that's not even so so. He got picked up and then, and mostly in double A, and he did okay there. Nothing too much to write about, but overall, he should be a helpful guy uh, to include in that starting rotation as well, so uh, there's a lot to be said here. McGovern, like you mentioned, he's probably one of the best, if not the best pitcher in the history of the association, and he's going to set some more records before he's done here as well, so I'm curious to see how it goes, but I do agree, I think that in the West Division, Fargo-Moorhead's going to be one of those teams that definitely makes the postseason, they're not a bottom two team, how far they will get who's to say, because the next team we have up is kind of the guys that ended their season last year. And to be blunt, they look like a force again this year. That is, of course, the Kansas City Monarchs, 69 and 31, first in the South last year. And of course, they won the league championship. Joe Calfapietra returns once again for his fifth season at the helm of the Monarchs, 246 and 153 in that time frame. They play at Legends Field, 300, -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 -411 411, 396, 409, and 328 are the dimensions of that ballpark. This is a team, is it not? That is chock full of former Major League talent that they bring back, former Major League talent that they bring in, and a lot of guys that have AAA talent or just are ringers on the indie ball level.
1: Yeah, they're going to be a force once again. It does even matter some of the guys they lose because uh, they will lose guys during the year, and that's that's kind of it's expected. Uh, but yeah, the the monarchs are really really good again. Uh, not surprising. Just a couple guys. I think you classified it correctly, Nick, when you said that this is a lot of a lot of their team that finished the year last year. A couple newer guys. Uh, I think that I want to mention that people might not know about of course to go along with guys like Akeem Bostic and Carlos Diaz and Jamison McGrain uh and and who finished the year last year with uh, with Kansas City and his pitching staff a guy really intriguing to me Lewis Thorpe uh Lewis Thorpe is a guy uh he's former top prospect with the Twins uh kind of he a, a lefty thrower, a little bit more he's not going to run up to light up with radar guns but uh he's struggled on the last over the last few years um Although I, I think that maybe a stint, I could totally see a stint in Indy Ball kind of rejuvenating him. Uh, he kind of turned into into that 4A shuffle uh, more when he was a more when he was a top prospect, a guy who would kind of uh, he'd be good in AAA and then would struggle in the bigs when getting called up, getting sent back down to AAA. I think that catches up to some guys, and I think it certainly did with with Lewis Thorpe. And eventually, the Twins just had uh, just had enough and had to move on. Uh, but you know, he's 20, he's 26 now. But I think that – I honestly think that uh, a thing with him, a stint with him in Indie Ball, I don't know how long he'll be here because I think if he gets off to a good start. But I think – I really think he is one of my front runners for Pitcher of the Year if he stands – if he stays long enough. I think he, he can really turn it around in Indie Ball. So to me, Thorpe is a really interesting guy to watch in this rotation along with, of course, um of course, with a group that that returns so many guys like the aforementioned Bostic, Diaz, McGrane. uh and then this lineup. I mean, how many big names do we have in this in this lineup? Of course, the returning guys like John Hernandez. Love me some John Hernandez. Oh, He's God, a yeah. stud. Uh, he, he is an absolute stud. And, you know, it's funny in 2020, I was so looking forward to him coming to Somerset, uh, before COVID kind of wiped that season out. And, and he showed why. I mean, he had an unbelievable season last year, um, with, uh, with the Monarchs, of course, mixed in with him struggling a little bit in AAA, uh, with the, with the Reds organization and the Louisville Bats. But when he was in Kansas City, man, he is a stud. He raked, uh, and that's just what he's going to do. Uh, and so he's I think John Hernandez, if he's here for if he's here for full season, it's going to be a stud. And how about a couple big name additions? Former 2013 St. Louis Cardinals, Pete Cosma and Matt Adams. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, have, no, those are some pretty big names. Pete Cosma, at the end of the day, he's 34. I don't know how attractive he is to an MLB organization at this point. Uh, but he, I think he's a guy who can hit for, for a pretty high average, not going to hit for a lot of power. Uh, however, um you talk about guys that will hit for power Matt Adams will hit for power so anything that Cosmo lacks in power you don't have to worry about it because Matt Adams will supply a lot of that as well with that big lefty swing that he has so uh it's certainly a guy that I mean look Matt Adams played played the big leagues last year for about a month so um so he's he's gonna be around uh I think he could I don't know though he's still, he's still 33 so I don't know about him um getting picked up that quick but long story short the monarchs are a wagon they're going to be this year i i want i have a, some questions about their starting rotation however i'm not too worried because i think their lineup's really going to hit the back end of the bullpen's gonna be terrific uh and i i think a lot of it i think a guy like lewis thorpe is a guy who i'm really intrigued by.
0: yeah I, I agree with a lot of that too i do want to just kind of go more into this where they're going to have hernandez and adams in the same lineup that's the kind of power we're dealing with it's with this not team. fun
1: like that is not fun for pitchers
0: oh god it absolutely isn't i mean like you mentioned james mcgreen too is the guy that's returning another guy returning is justin Schaefer. um uh, mac blackham's the guy that i'm interested in not the best year last year but he played in vegas which is just a hell hole for pitchers so you can't really judge too much off of that when he was with the mets and i believe playing in syracuse it was much better so I kind of expect him to do well here. Nick Belzer is a guy that a couple years ago had a really, really good year with St. Paul and then not-so-great year in the pandemic year. So I kind of think he could kind of bounce back to other guys returning. Kevin Santa, who is very good. Casey Gillespie, who's I believe we did a spotlight post on him. You can check the website and check that out. But he was very important for them last year, one of the more unsung heroes of that team. And, of course, the finals MVP... Uh, Gabby Guerrero also returns, and former Major Leaguer Darnell Sweeney also returns as well, too. So, I mean, like, this team is just, like you said, well, it's wagon, it's stacked. There's no real uh, weak spot, I could say. Like, and I even want to say, like, well, well, if they get, all these guys get picked up and whatnot, then, yeah, I guess. But they found a way to replace them last year, too. So, I'm not even really willing to say, oh, well, that's going to be a, a stopping point. Because, I mean, just from the guys we mentioned, there's what uh, three four five six seven guys with major league experience on a 25 man roster at least seven guys that's pretty damn yeah
1: uh, it's real that's it's really strong and i think that's that's kind of what kansas that's kind of what the monarchs have really turned into
0: we'll see how they do but we have another team and i think it's, it's the Monarchs. before we move on to this next team they're what would you say their favorites to win this division? At the very least be number two in this division. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I mean, but you know, I, here's the thing though. Like, are they the favorites to win this division? Yes. Are they, are they on a different tier than I think everyone else in, in this division and probably the league? Yeah. At the end of the day, like the the playoffs, playoffs are, are just weird. not structured for a team like that. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. That, that, that'll, be some, that'll be something to watch because the playoff, that while the playoff system helps some teams, it definitely hurts a team like the Monarchs.
0: Oh, absolutely. So uh, on that note, we do look at one of those teams that would have benefited from four teams making it last year, which is the Lincoln Salt Dogs, 53 and 47, fourth in the South. They missed the postseason uh, by a half a game because they couldn't close out the Houston Apollos despite having two chances to do so. Uh, that was under... What was then first year in the American Association manager, but returning for a second year, Brett Jody. Uh, some of people are well familiar with Brett Jody. Atlantic Leakers are well familiar with Brett Jody. And uh, he's come back. He finally had a true full offseason to build his team. This team looks pretty solid. As you can imagine, it's a pitching team. They're going to be in Haymarket Park again, 335, 403, 395, 400, and 425 for your dimensions for that. Uh, overall, though, this team has a couple of guys that are interesting to me. But by and large, uh, they definitely seem to be on a different level than the first that we talked about.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I wouldn't put them on that tier. I think it's a solid team. I think it's a team that, that's really going to be competing for that uh, for those second and third spots. In in the South. Um, And, you know, they they are a pitching team. Uh, But specifically, Buddy Baum and Jonathan Cheshire immediately bringing back, making, uh, getting Kyle Kidman back is big for them. Uh, He had a great year last year in that starting rotation. He's striking out 109 guys in 96 innings. Uh, That's certainly impressive. Um, I mean, it's something else that's impressive about Kidman. In those 96 innings, he only gave up four home runs. Which is really—I don't care what level of baseball you are in—in in professional baseball, that's really difficult to do. However, the while Lincoln pitched well last year, at times with their bats they would struggle. Uh, of course, bringing Ryan Long back was not part of that problem. Uh, I got in, in, in a an in addition that was definitely interesting: Jason Rogers, a guy that uh, a guy that uh, Brett Jody is very familiar in with, familiar with during his time in the Atlantic League, and of course in Somerset uh, as well as. Um, and I got to say that uh, at least Jason Rogers in Gastonia last year, he had a great season an on base percentage of over 400 uh, hit 20 home runs. Um, I mean, look, Rogers has been an indie ball staple at the pl- I mean, He's been just a really good hitter at the plate for a long time. I uh, hit from more power last year than I think we've seen from him, even though he is a big guy, but he's walking more than he struck out. I think he is the big bat Uh, that Lincoln was kind of missing last year. Uh, and so I I think that that's going to be the interesting addition. Uh, however, I wouldn't go as far as to say that I love the lineup. I I think the pitching staff is definitely strong. I think the the starting pitching staff is strong. Um, they're worried about a little bit of depth in, in the, I'd say in the bullpen a little bit. Uh, but I guess we'll have to see, uh, we'll have to see, um, how that shakes out when the season gets going. Uh, but listen i think they're a good team I, I do i don't think they're on the same level as as kansas city uh however could they could they could the chips fall into place and then get to a a, a south division championship series yeah they definitely could uh so I, I, although I, I really do want to see the impact of this lineup when jason rogers jumps in here,
0: yeah, i'd agree with that also josh altman He's a guy that I honestly think could be a favorite for MVP this year. He had a fantastic year last year. Justin Bird's a guy that really didn't get as much press as he deserved. He's a fantastic center fielder. Uh, he made a couple of sports the top tens, if I'm not mistaken, as well, for some of his catches. So, I mean, that is a very impressive thing in itself. And for those that are wondering how good of a year Josh Altman had, well, this is how good of a year he had. His slash line was 305, 374, 635. And he hit 29 home runs at 72 RBIs and 25, or 20 stolen bases in 35 games as a shortstop. So he's definitely, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a guy that I think I'm probably going to wind up picking for my player of the year prediction once we get to that at the very end of this. Uh, So he's a guy that I think can really, really, really be important for this team uh, moving forward this year. And between him and Rodgers and, frankly, Long as well, that's a really solid trio to have is it going to be enough who knows i mean you got a guy like Hunter clannon who probably will help you there too probably more in the power tier than in the batting tier as far as hitting for average uh he's he'll be fine hs is you feel like that you want one or two more pieces on the offensive front you feel like you'd like a little bit more bullpen depth like you mentioned carter hopes a guy that i'm well to live up to his name i'm hoping he kind of has a really solid year we've seen that in the past they can pitch well uh there's other guys here as well but overall i it's it's a team that has a lot of potential but i'm not sure if they have enough depth to hang
1: yeah i would agree with that i i think that that's at least early on uh, at least early on it should be mentioned uh, that they could add guys and stuff like that, but uh, but I, I agree with that. I do think that the depth to me is a little bit of a concern. The core is strong. The core is definitely strong, but a love to see. And maybe and certainly in indie ball, all the time we see guys who we didn't see coming based on their track record step up. So uh, I I think they'll be solid. I think they'll be in the they'll they'll be they'll be in the mix for for a top for like a, a two or a three seed in the South uh, come playoff time.
0: Yeah, I can say it being a three. I may go as low as saying there's a four seed, though. Uh, there's other teams in this division I just like a little bit better, but I do think they wind up being a playoff team. And one of the teams that I do think is uh, or could be one of the teams that miss is this next team, the Sioux City Explorers, 53-46 and 46 last year, third in the South Division. They lost in the divisional round, of course, uh, to the eventual champion monarchs uh steve montgomery of course again returns his seventh year 403 and 296 is his record mercy field at lewis and clark park which apparently has terrible seating uh is uh going to be their home field at least for now this is projected for now uh that's 330 in each of the corners and uh 400 to center field for those dimensions but who knows maybe that'll change i doubt it but it could be. Uh, overall, looking at the team, they return an awful lot of guys. They made a couple of additions I like. By and large, it's basically the same team we saw last year.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I'm not as high on on the on Sioux City uh, as I was. Or uh, I guess is I guess that I and mean, they could be in the mix. I probably prefer. I think Lincoln's probably a little bit better than them. Uh, to me, I I just worry about pitching for them. Um, they got some guys. They got some guys with with decent stuff. Like for example, uh I, I mean, a guy like Nate Irkin per se uh, out of the bullpen. He's he's got great stuff. Control is an issue though. He can't be walking seven guys for nine. Yeah, uh, but the team guys don't make a lot of contact against him. I mean, he's striking out thirteen and a half guys for nine. So uh, that's that's certainly something to watch out for. I just I don't see a whole lot of I don't see a whole lot of st- uh, good starting pitching for them and even in the back end of their bullpen. And, uh, and at least offensively, I see, a, I see more contact than I see power. Uh, however, I, so I think that's, I don't know. I, I I don't, I don't see a whole lot with this team. I think, I think I was certainly, they, they could make, they could definitely make the playoffs, but I, I think that uh, I, th- I would really put a team uh, like Lincoln over, over Sioux City. That's all I do.
0: I would agree with that. I mean, I think we can safely say Kansas City's a playoff team. Fargo Moore, it's a playoff team. And then Lincoln should be in the mix. There's one other team that we're going to talk about that I really think is going to kind of take that spot here now would I be shocked if Sioux City made it probably not uh, a guy like Max Coons I do like as a reliever 44 games he had last year about 61 innings in the era sub three so that's a really really nice look there Hedges is fine as a starter but he really probably shouldn't be your best starter you got Patrick Ledette too who didn't look very good uh, Tyler Beardsley who had his moments uh, Brett Adcock is also back I mean he's fine as a starter as well he's about the same as hedges to be blunt uh so there's a lot of guys that honestly if you told me they were your three or your four start i'd be like oh okay it's a really good team or even if you said that they were your two and your three i'd be like okay well that's a pretty pretty much what you can expect here especially if you got a good offensive talent but when it's like hedges and then adcock and then ladette and then beardsley you're right, Will, there isn't a whole lot that really inspires confidence on that rotation side, and the bullpen is a little bit thin, admittedly. I will say, some of the other guys, like a Chase Harris is a fantastic outfielder, again, he may not be putting up gaudy offensive numbers, certainly, but he will be patrolling center field and be very confident he's going to be very, very defensively reliable there. Uh you have other guys, LT Tolbert's a guy I like, he had a solid year. You have a veteran, Nate Samson, who's gonna be good. Uh Sebastian Zawada, it's kind of like a Hunter Clanon type of player in the sense of he's either going to give you some really good power or pretty not gonna hurt you uh contact number. So I like that front there uh nick franklin a former major leaguer is also here mitch Gelfi, who had a nice year with st paul a couple years back is a is a solid player too there's a lot of guys here that are fine but that's just the way i feel about this team is just i'm like okay it's fine i if they missed the postseason i wouldn't be surprised in the least bit if they made it as the four seed i'd be like okay yeah that makes sense uh they just, they just don't yeah. inspire a lot here
1: yeah, they could they could sneak in. I just I just don't think that they're in any sort of legitimate contention.
0: Oh, no, uh, they're not to, a they're not championship in the playoffs. Yeah. No,
1: no, no, definitely not a like, I'm I was more talking about like, to really advance in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I would doubt it if, if they make it. I just don't see a whole lot to be inspired by.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. It would take a very friendly draw for them to really go far. In the postseason. The other team that I think we could safely say is not going to be a uh, playoff team, much to the chagrin of some of their fans, is the Sioux Falls Canaries, 36 and 34 last year, fifth in the South. Only team below them was the Apollos, for those keeping score. They missed the postseason. Mike Myers returns for year number six, 190 and 268 is his all-time record. Sioux Falls Stadium, more affectionately known as the Birdcage, getting a total facelift, it would appear. Uh, But the dimensions stay the same at 313, 410, 312 uh, for them. There's just like, I don't want to say there's nothing here because there's like three or four guys that I really, really like, but that's about it. It, This team, it leaves something to be desired.
1: Yeah. And listen, I I think guys that that are really intriguing, guys like Wyatt Ulrich, uh, I I think that's a guy that really burst onto the scene last year and uh, that that those fans that the Canaries fans should really be looking for. Uh, I just, yeah, I'm with you. They struggled a lot last year um, and they just didn't really add a whole lot Uh, and that's definitely concerning. Uh, Pitching wise, I mean, they were horrific on the pitching end of things last year. Don't see a whole lot of guys really that they added. A a couple guys that I think could be interesting, uh, uh, Stevie Ledsma, I think he's he's a guy that pitched well in the in the Frontier League last year, uh, so you could certainly see a guy like him uh, emerge. I I think, and, and we know Jabari Henry is going to be there. We know Jabari Henry is a stud. Uh, he had a terrific year last year as well. He's a walk machine. So I, I love guys like Jabari Henry. Uh, I, he's going to be a, a, a great bat in this lineup. Him and Ulrich. Uh, certainly going to be good it's just the pitching is just so not good and uh and there's just only so much a couple of those guys can do I, I just yeah I, I I don't see them being uh, a playoff team and it's just a matter of cover your eyes when Jabari Benry and wide Ulrich uh aren't are hitting and uh hope for the best with some of the other guys um I, I mean, even I mean, you, you could have a guy like, like Angelo Altavia who, who will hit for a decent average, just not much power. Uh, but uh, look, Jabari Henry's great. That can only carry you so far. So I, I think this team will struggle once again. Yeah,
0: I'd agree with that. Um, Farrell's a guy that I also kind of like too. I think he's a, a solid enough pitcher. He looked good in AAA Sugarland last year. So he could be something there uh Polito is also another guy that looked fairly decent gavin Lavalle was fine in king county you mentioned Ulrich; he was the rookie of the year last year there's a it's similar almost to uh they're looking at sioux city in that there's a bunch of guys where i'm just like yep they're there they're fine if they were supported by more then. uh then I would really like to see this team go far. And I think they could, but it's just not when it's feral and uh, like maybe a bounce back on El Ventura and Polito, And that's about it on the pitching side. That's just not going to be enough. And LaValle and, Altavia and Henry and Ulrich That's again four bats is not going to nearly be enough. They just don't have the firepower, and especially when you look at the rest of this division, they just don't stack up. I, I feel like they're probably the bottom team in this division. If I'm being entirely honest, could be wrong, but that's just the way I feel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I think I, I think you're I think you're right about that.
0: Yeah, so we go to the what I believe actually is now the final team in the West Division, and it is the final team in the West Division, and that is, of course, the Winnipeg Goldeyes, 50-49 last year, uh, fourth in the North, missed the postseason under this system. They would have made it. And uh, Rick Forney will return for his 17th manager, managerial season at the helm of the Goldeyes, uh, 834 and 696 is his record. Uh we have Shaw Park finally going to be the full-time home of this team again that came back towards the end of the last year after spending most of the season in Jackson, Tennessee. And uh, they are finally get to play home games this year, which is very, very nice to see. Uh, 325. To left and right, 400 down the middle. That is how it looks. This is a team that honestly, I think is largely improved. I think having some stability will help this team out an awful lot too. They made a couple of nice little additions. They brought back a lot of guys that are interesting. Uh there's of course one weak spot. I think we're both gonna talk about, but outside of that, they seem like a very solid team, and a team that could very well be in the four or three hole when the season shakes out at the end.
1: Yeah, I'm mean, gonna listen. I I've gotten burned for really ever since I joined this podcast about, uh, about me believing in the Winnipeg gold eyes and they just don't come through for me. Um, and, uh, but you know what? I like, I'm not going to say this is the year, like, Oh, they go to the championship and whatnot. I don't, I don't think they're, they're on that level, but I think they're definitely improved. Uh, I think they're definitely improved from a year ago. Um, so I, I think that's, that's certainly good and like you mentioned there's that untold uh there's that untold aspect of not playing in jackson tennessee when you're the when you're the winnipeg gold eyes so um i think that's gonna that's gonna help them a lot um i am i will say the thing that worries me a lot is uh i don't really like the back end i really don't like this bullpen um i think it's not a particularly inspiring group in that sense. However, I think the lineup's going to hit. I, I think the lineup is really, really going to hit, uh, and adding David Washington is really going to help uh, that, because he had a terrific year with Milwaukee last year. He's going to supply a ton of power uh, in the middle of that order. You throw that in with a guy like Kevin Lachance, who had a great year last year, uh, hitting 3.26, uh, and uh, I think there there's a lot of depth in this lineup that that uh that fans should be excited about again i worry about uh i don't love the pitching in general and specifically don't love the bullpen uh however i think i think they're gonna hit and i think they're gonna hit and that's gonna win them a good amount of games i think they I, i'm comfortable in saying that they'll be in the playoffs uh i don't know how far they'll get but i think they're definitely a playoff team i think they could be a three or a four and whatnot
0: I know. I believe two years in a row, you've predicted them either to make the postseason or win the championship. Something to that extent. I believe it just makes the postseason both last year and the year before. So if they manage to miss out this year, I mean, I, I'm really going to start giving the business next year when we go through this yeah. preview again. And I think I'm I'll be then. totally. I think I'll be totally justified in doing that. Uh, that Absolutely. Being, that being said, there the pitching is then. Josh Lucas is really, he didn't have a good year last year, but he is a former major leaguer. He should bounce back. I like Travis Seabrook. I think he's a solid bullpen guy. I'm going to be curious to see what he does. He could probably even start. I'm not sure if he has done that too much in the past. But Tasker Strobel is another guy that I really do like as well. And not really a starter is uh, is Seabrook. So probably more of a bullpen guy, but I think he's a solid enough bullpen arm. Certainly. Uh, but yeah, the pitching is weak, but you're all right. This is a deep, deep team. Deion Stafford was a guy that was very good last year. I'm very interested to see him. Dakota Connors got off to a very hot start, then kind of slowed down, then had a couple of weeks here and there. So he's a guy that I think could, if he could just find some consistency, maybe not the same highs, but a fair median, I think he could be a very productive player at very worst, the first guy off the bench, which is not a terrible position to be. Uh, you mentioned Chance. You mentioned David Washington who was a very big addition for this team coming over from Milwaukee. A guy like Logan Hill, I kind of expect him to bounce back. Max Murphy's a guy that should be doing well. Wes Starvels a veteran; he's been here for a while. But the guy I really do want to mention is Raul Navarro, a guy that is another one who didn't get a lot of mention last year, but yet he was a very, very, very good player for them. So I like the Gold Eyes as a playoff team as well.
1: Yeah, I think they're uh, I think they're probably a com- comfortably in as a playoff team, and you know I'm ready to eat my words once again. Uh, But I think the lineup is just really strong top to bottom. So I think that'll be enough to get them in, especially in this expanded format.
0: Agreed. And so with that, that ends our West division look and begins our East division look now. So, uh here's what we have in the East. We have the Chicago Dogs, who were first in the North at a 63 and 37 record last year before losing in five games in the divisional round to the Fargo Moorhead Redhawks. Their manager is once again Butch Hobson. He returns for his fifth season, 193 and 164 is his all-time record. Impact Field will be their friendly home. Uh one are 313, my mistake, for the one field three 89 to center and 294. A very short but a tall wall out there in right. Uh, they got some interesting players to watch. They reloaded. Certainly, uh, the pitching looks to be improved. I like the pitching a lot. The offense, uh, that's an it'll be interesting to see with that.
1: Well, uh, I will say this time last year when we were talking about the Chicago Dogs, we both thought that they weren't very good, and then yeah. boy did they prove us wrong. They so I. However, I I think that I think your assessment is pretty spot on as far as um the pitching has certainly improved and listen guys hit better uh, obviously you mentioned the dimensions guys will hit better uh, than initially projected in in this uh in this stadium just because of the because of the short porches uh, it's a and even center field only 389 to center um it, this is this is a hitter's paradise uh but you're going to need good pitchers in the, in a ballpark like this and i think a guy like that uh who perfectly supplies that is michael michael boden because uh he's a guy who wasn't around a whole lot last year for chicago but when he was he was really strong i uh, struggled with the home run ball again you could probably uh, assume part of that is the stadium uh giving up those 10 home runs in 52 innings so uh, so, you're probably going to look, try to look to get more ground balls in year number two. Uh, Jeff Kinley is a, a, a bullpen arm that I love. I yeah. love Jeff Kinley. Uh, he is such a stud. Uh, and he is, he is just a great option, uh, as a closer. I think he should be back in, in affiliated ball, but what do I know? Uh, and offensively, I, I think it's, there's a couple guys that I really like. Um, Michael Krauss, of course. Um, a guy a guy that I like. Uh he's had two really two consecutive uh, very strong seasons uh with the Chicago Dogs. So I, I think he's good. And even a guy like Charlie Tilson, uh, a, for, a former White Sox staying in uh the guy's former yeah, former White Sox staying in the city of Chicago. had some time with Long Island last season. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see him, uh, in the American Association this year. And I really like Tilson in, in particular just because, uh, he, he nearly hit 300 with Lehigh Valley last year. Uh, so I, I think a guy like Tilson will really help this lineup. I'm just worry about the depth of it overall. I think that's, that's the part that's a little bit concerning to me, but I think the, I think the pitching solid, uh, I mean, even a guy like Carl Price, uh, Carl Bryce, is uh, is a guy that, he has good stuff. He's going to strike out guys, but just the control is just a huge, 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 huge problem with him. Uh, so we'll see what kind of role he is used in. But, uh, I, you know, I love me some Michael Bowden. I love me some, some Jeff Kinley. It's just a matter of um, how the rest of this roster fills out. I think I'm just a little worried about the lineup depth in general with them. But, you know, the, the ballpark they play at, it could even out. We'll have to see.
0: I'd agree with that. Paul Schwindel is another guy that I really do like as well. New Jersey native. And do you know where he played his uh, Cape Cod league ball?
1: Paul Schwindel. Now at the top of my head, the long term, enlighten me.
0: Oh, it's Paul. Yeah. Paul Schwindel played for a team that goes by the name of the Kettleers.
1: We love to hear that.
0: He's not only a New Jersey native, but he also, you have something else in common with him there. And he also he's had, a, ju-
1: he's just, he's not my favorite player.
0: As he should be. I mean, not to mention, he also played for the Can-Am Traveling Garden State Grays in 2015 as well. And then disappeared for five years. Then came back Aww. and just had a, played a pandemic year. He had like a six ERA and then wound up in affiliated ball the year after. Because he had a 1.08 ERA. At this time in Chicago last year. Which was only eight innings, Andrew. But still, an ERA of basically four in high A ball after only getting uh, 26 competitive innings since 2015 is pretty solid, I'd say. Um, but more than that, though, I will talk more about the offense. I think you pretty much had everything on the pitching there. Grant Kaye is a guy that I think could perform. Harrison Smith came in a couple of times and really shot some energy in that lineup as well. I believe you mentioned Michael Krause. He's a good guy that's pretty solid there. Danny Mars is a guy I think could be very solid. Anthony Greer is another guy that seems pretty solid. There's there's guys here overall, though. Like you said, there's not much depth to it. There's not a lot of meat to the lineup. I am kind of concerned about that. Ryan Lidge is okay. Uh, but I think they are a playoff team. I don't think they're a bottom two in this division. Uh That being said, if they were a three or a four, I wouldn't be stunned about it. But I do kind of expect them to make it just because of what else is in this division.
1: That's the beauty of an eight of of an eighteen playoff. Yeah, uh, it's just like you don't need a whole lot to get in, and I think that at the end of the day, I think that there will just be enough. And I mean, not to go too deep into the just like the the rest of the teams before we actually do. Yeah, I just. You know, I, I I think that they're definitely better than the uh, than the other guys. Then the, I think then they're better than the other teams. We'll be battling for the kind of bottom of the uh, uh kind of the bottom of the barrel in this division. So I think the dogs will be it for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, looking at one of those other teams, the Claiborne Rail Riders. Uh, they were 54 and 46 last year. That was good enough for second in the South. They lost in the wildcard game to the Explorers. Uh, their manager is Logan Watkins. He returns for more like his one and a half years his first full year he took over halfway and from hit the point he took over they were seven games above 500 at 35 and 28 so clearly something was working there the depot at cleburne station is their home 355 to each side for 29 down the middle this is a team that i think i want to like a lot more than i do there's just something nagging me about this team where i i don't know about it on paper, they look fine. They don't look like a championship contender in my mind, but they have pieces that are pretty solid, pretty good, but uh, overall, there is, again, just something about this team that's just not inspiring a lot of me. I do think they are a playoff team by far. I think they're probably in the two or the three seed, but they are... There's something about them.
1: I I'm, I, I do think they're a playoff team for sure. Um, I think that I put them in a similar category with the Chicago dogs. I think is a good way to put it. I, I think a guy like, for example, like Hunter Cervenka, a lefty who, who saw a lot of Atlantic league time last year and was really good uh, with, with long Island. I love him at the back end of that bullpen. It's funny that like he, he, Cervenka was a guy who's like a pretty big name and MLB talent uh, who struggled with, with charleston long island picks him up and wow he's good now uh (laughs) just funny how that tends to work uh like like, no and speaking of long island ducks hector sanchez uh with with this year and i I don't know like i i like i like the team like i'm a big i'm a big fan of cesar trejo uh, a guy that uh, a guy that saw some time with high point last year uh Zach Nerrier is is good as well. I, you know what? I like this team. I think that I think that they're a solid group. Pitching depth concerns me. Uh, a pretty de- uh, I think specifically starting pitching. Uh, concerns me with Cleburne uh, we'll see how they add during the season uh, but I think I think the lineup's pretty strong I, I like servanka in the back end of the bullpen but I think starting pitching is a little bit of a concern for me but you know again we gotta consider everything relative to the bar of who the other teams they're competing with uh, and I think Cleburne is definitely good enough uh, to make the postseason uh, to make the postseason in, in this division.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, you have also have Oswald Garcia, Zach Narrier. These are guys that are pretty solid. Chase Simpson's a good power bat, too. Uh He doesn't really hit for average, but he's a good power bat. goes your great contact hitter. I mean, oh, my God, he's fantastic. There's a lot of guys here that are pretty decent. But overall, I do agree they kind of are in that Chicago grouping. I almost look at them like, like almost like a Lincoln, almost, where there's yeah. pieces I like. But overall, as a team, I just get a sense from them where I'm just like, I don't know. There's something about it that just doesn't quite register. The team that I think we may see miss the postseason is this next one Gary South Shore Railcats, 39, 61, sixth in the North last year, missed the postseason. Uh it out lamar rogers is in his first year managing the steel yard It's once again their home 320 400 335 um there's a couple of guys here i'd say there's probably two maybe three pitchers i really like and then maybe four guys five guys that i could say are pretty confident hitters the rest of it uh there's just not a lot here
1: Yeah, I I think the pitching, I think, could be okay. I just don't think there's any, I think this lineup is kind of like a barren wasteland, to be honest. Like, I think that, I, I just don't see a whole, the depth concerns me. I don't really see any guys who are, who are big hitters. Like, some contact guys, like, like Oland uh, could be, uh, like, a guy who who hits for contact. He, he was good last year. With Gary, it seems to me that at least year in and year out, Gary's always the youngest team in the league. Yeah, uh, excluding, of course, like the Apollos. Like I don't really count them in any of that, but they always seem to like those those younger guys. Which I mean, listen, which is fine, but it doesn't usually result in a whole lot of wins slash championships slash you know, at least re- yeah. more of a recent trend. I would say, yeah, you'd almost uh, again, wonder
0: if they're being told they can't spend to the cap. And so that's yeah. why go for younger guys. Like, that's what I almost get that sense. Like, I remember in the Sioux Falls thing that I didn't include this week, it was that they were finally told, yeah, you're clear to spend to the cap. You're fine on that. So if that's the reason, that would explain why you're going with younger players. Because, hey, Definitely. they're going to sign cheaper.
1: Yeah. And it just, it just seems like these are the kind of rosters they've been building over the last few years. And whether that's a, a problem with ownership or not, I don't know. It's just, I don't, like... For example, like a guy like Tommy McCarthy, like he should not be on your roster this year. Like he he was he, he really struggled last year uh with Gary and like I, I I just don't I don't see a whole lot there. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. Uh they're lucky they could scrap some wins against the other not so great teams in this division. Uh but yeah, I'm just not really a fan.
0: Yeah, Trevor Lubkin's a guy I like uh, Adam Heidenfelder or Felder is a guy I really do like as well. Uh, Woodworth in limited action looks solid. Wall looks solid. Uh, Marika is another guy. Alec Collins you mentioned. There's, there's guys here. There's a there's a handful of like guys that I'm like okay, so you're about a 270 to 290 hitter, and that's fine. But on this level, you need some guys hitting in the 300s. You need some guys to hit for power, and there's just not a lot there. I also don't know much about Lamar Rogers' managerial style. Uh, so that's going to be an uh, indicator as well. In how can you replace guys? But yeah, I'd agree. They would really need like one or two other big pieces for me to say, yep, they're a playoff team. And they need like three or four more for me to feel confident saying, yep, I like them enough to pick them to go far. And they're just not there right now.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree
0: with that. So we go now to the final three teams we have in this preview, and it will start with one of the newer teams in this league in the Kane County Cougars. And this is a team that like they are the definition of the four seed being a weak seed in my mind. Uh, they were 44 and 55 last year. Fourth in the North missed the postseason. Uh, legendary manager George Samus returns for his second season at the helm of the King County Cokers. Obviously, spent many, many years in St. Paul before they went affiliated. Uh, Northwestern Medicine Field will be their home. 335 to each of the corners, 400 down the middle. Uh, there's about six guys, maybe seven, that are interesting on this team. The rest of them are uh, pretty average. And don't really warrant much discussion, at least in my mind.
1: To me, I think this team is a playoff team, and I'll say that because I, I think, because my my, and it also kind of plays into my criticism of them. And yeah. It's just that they're very top heavy, and now in this playoff structure, it, that might be enough for them to yeah. sneak in. Wor, Worley coming back to Kane County, uh, I think that's he's a guy who will pitch to contact. He's going to throw strikes. He's not going to walk guys. I uh, I think really having a guy like Worley at the top of that rotation is good. Uh, a guy that I love, Bryce Brent's, uh He's gonna hit for power. Uh, hopefully, hopefully with this team, he's, he's definitely gonna hit for power. Uh, you're right though. I don't see uh, a whole lot outside of outside of being uh, outside of those guys, and I think that. If they were to lose some of those guys, it just concerns me. Uh, a guy like Ryan Richardson is definitely intriguing, a guy who was terrific uh, with the Houston Apollos getting a chance with Kane County. And he struggled a little bit, but I think maybe over a full season is, is something that changes a little bit. So Richardson is a guy I'll, I'd, li- I'd like to watch for them too. Uh, and I want to see Bryce Brent's hit bombs. So I, yeah. I think that it could be enough to push them into the, into the, into the four seed, but they are extremely job heavy.
0: Yeah. And I, I'd also mention Nick Anderson in the outfield too. wasn't Apollo. Then came back after, you know, not making it an affiliated ball with the twins. Uh, Sherman Johnson, another guy who seems pretty decent. If I'm not mistaken, he was also supposed to be a Coger and then got signed, uh, rolette it's another guy that's kind of interesting that, but there's cribs junior as well uh but like i said there's not too many guys here you're right they are kind of top heavy uh i i like i said i would think if it was down to two or even three teams i would not have them as a playoff team to be blunt uh but with that said i do think they will uh Probably sneak into that four seed, but I think whoever the one seed is is going to take them every day and twice on Sundays. I just don't think this is a team that can win a series, even if it is a three game series, uh, because you can only throw Worley out there so many times. And as we saw last year, he got picked up. So if he gets picked up, then what's your plan? And they, I mean, there goes your rotation. He is your rotation, especially after they release Josh Tolles. So. I mean, at at least last year you had tolls and you had Visa as well, and they ran out for most of the year. And I mean, prior to Visa getting picked up, I think we both were saying that he was either the second or the best pitcher in the league. So it's going to be, I I just don't love this whole, uh, this King County team, but I do think they are a playoff team because of the setup.
1: Agreed, agreed, yeah.
0: Uh, So with that, we go to the newest team in the American Association, the Lake Country Dockhounds. Obviously, they didn't have a record last year because they didn't play. So nothing on that front. Jim Bennett is going to step in. He managed the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks last. Very good. Actually, I believe it was a league best record last year as well. Uh, So he should be pretty solid. It will be Wisconsin Brewing Company Park. I could not find the dimensions of it, although I'm sure they're out there somewhere. Uh, But at that point, I just was kind of done looking for it. So, and it's also not listed on the website, so that makes it more difficult. But (laughs) overall, uh, there are some interesting players on this too. There's a lot of kind of, I think, high upside type players uh, that is perfect for a first year club. That could make this exciting, could make them a, a, a threat. And there's some good personalities on this team as well. So I'm very curious to see how this works out.
1: Oh, yeah. I think my main concern with like country is the pitching staff. Uh, I think that jumps out immediately. I mean, they have a guy like Pat Young who's got some Atlantic League experience, but has struggled in pretty much every spot. I love, I love Todd Vincennes, although he's, uh, he's a, he's a great bullpen arm. A guy threw, he threw in Mexico last year. Um, put a, put up solid numbers there. He's had plenty of American Association experience. I think he probably opens up as your closer, you would think, I uh, but yeah, but I just, I don't see a whole lot in the pitching staff and that, that concerns me very much right off the bat. I think the lineup is actually pretty decent and it, there's some guys that are interesting. We've talked about, uh, Dai Kang Yang, uh, before he's, um, who's had a decorated career, um, in Japan. And I think that that's, that him is going to be, he's going to be one of the big storylines another guy i'm pretty high on is Blake Barry as well just uh he's a guy who, who played really well for Houston last year um uh, guys, he guys walks a lot he's going to hit for a high average and a little bit of pop as well uh he was probably maybe the best hitter on Houston on the Apollos last season yeah. so it, it makes sense that he got another chance uh, in the american association uh with, with late country uh, so I, I think that there are some there are some decent guys uh, and even a guy like Lamar Briggs, who is terrific in the, in the uh, we will have to see uh, how that translates. However, um, I think the lineup is somewhat intriguing. I just I'm just so concerned about the pitching that I can't pick them to go that that, that far.
0: Yeah, see here's the thing. like I like Jim Bannon as a manager He can do a lot of good things. Van Stansel, or Van Seenstel, he's a great arm. I like him. His personality is great, too, especially for a team that's just getting started. And, I mean, I do remember last year when there was a small uh, Twitter cult around him, which I start calling Van Stansels, because they wanted to try and get him signed. And I'm not going to lie, we were part of that. But it's not going to matter, because he's signed right now. So he's solid. Pat Young, I think he can bounce back. Uh, and I do like that. TJ Bennett, I feel it's going to be like... Very Casey Clemens-like. Like, what Casey Clemens is to Stan Island, I think T.J. Bennett is going to be to, like, country. Uh, you mentioned Barry You mentioned Briggs. Aaron Takis is another guy that I do like. And Apollo's guy was one of the better batters there, too. I think there's enough here where it's intriguing. I think they probably are interesting at points in the year. Ultimately, they're probably the team that misses out in addition to Gary. But if they can stay competitive, if they can win, let's say... 40 42 games then ultimately i call that a successful season and uh it's there's enough to build off of there i do think it's a very intriguing team though
1: yeah you're just looking for things to build on in week one but uh, excuse me not week one <laughs> year one i yeah. uh, i think you're really looking for just for little things to build on and i think they have some of those pieces i really do uh, so i think they they are a very intriguing team and that'll be something to watch
0: absolutely with that said we go to the last team in this preview and the team that i think is the undisputed best in this division and that is the milwaukee milkman 59 and 41 last year third in the north they lost in the wild card to fargo moorhead anthony barone will return for his third year as manager 93 and 67 all-time record there they play in franklin field 330 to each of the sides and two, dead center is 407. This is a team that returns a lot of really good pitchers, adds in some really intriguing and probably very good pitchers as well. And overall, they overhauled this lineup because they got fairly well rated. I mean, they lost out of Brett Walker. That's going to be a very tough hold to plug. But as you're about to see, they did their damnedest to fill it. And they did a very good job at that. Obviously, there's no replacing a back-to-back MVP. But they got about as close as you can possibly get.
1: Oh yeah, I, I love their, I love the strategy. It almost looks like that you're not going to replace Adam Brett Walker with one guy. You got to replace him with multiple guys who do, who bring in little facets of what Adam Brett Walker brings to the lineup. You're going to bring a guy, for example, Keon Barnum is a great bat. He can supply some of that power. Bringing in, in Corel Prime, he can supply some of the some of the average. That that uh, Walker brought over the last couple of years. The that's exactly I think the lineup this year I, I out of and looks obviously Milwaukee's had uh, some great uh, has had some pretty good teams, some very good teams over the last couple of years. I think this is the best lineup they've had out of that core uh, per se. I I think that a lineup that just doesn't have a lot of holes. They have guys like Barnum and Hill and Will Kenger and Karell Prime and Trowbridge and Dylan Kelly. And Tr- and Cadell Kelly and and Trey Martin and we know what this pitching staff can be as well. It's it's just a stacked team and I think I truly think like out of this um out of in the Anthony Barone era, this is the best lineup they've had and to me that's the scary part.
0: Exactly. I mean, like it's very rare that you're going to say they lost a back-to-back MVP and somehow got better like that's just it they
1: did that's literally what happened they did
0: yeah and it's like even if you assume okay well barnum i know he's probably a first baseman because that's where he's naturally been but you assume you could dh him hill's probably your second baseman prime probably goes into the outfield because they need outfielders that's the one area where they are lacking uh will kenger's probably a third baseman would you say yes definitely yeah so then chad cedeno is probably at short if not it's going to be mason davis and chad sedanio was very good with florence last year too he's kind of one of those low-key guys that i could very well easily see hitting 280 having a very uh oh who is it that i'm thinking of right now dylan tice he could be a very dylan tice like player if uh for those that are familiar with Dylan Tice. He, there's a lot here. Logan Trowbridge is another guy you can put in the outfield alongside Trey Martin. There's so much offense on this team where they could beat you by, you know, playing small ball, getting 15, 20 hits a game, putting up 10 runs that way. They could probably outslug you too between some of the guys they have here in a, uh, in a Keon Barnum and, and the like. Then pitching-wise, they return A.J. Shugel from their first, and their only to this point, championship season, who was a big part of that bullpen there. Miles Smith comes back as Pitcher of the Year. Uh So that's a huge point as well. Christian Young's a guy which I think looks solid. Danny Zardin is a guy that is really kind of a low-key guy for me. I don't know why. There's something about... Zarden, that really kind of jumps out to me. He spent time with Windy City and, um, Sussex County last year. And in Sussex County, he did very solid. Even Windy City did solid. I mean, 288 ERA across uh, 27 games, about 35 innings out of the bullpen. If he can do that again, I mean, hey, that's very good. I mean, he, hey, if he can get even like a 38 ERA i take that out of the bullpen. Solid guy there. Kyle Moore returns. Jake Matthews back. There's so much to like about this team. I think they're the undisputed one seed here. And frankly, they're a championship contender. 100%. 100%
1: they're, they're a championship contender. And listen, like uh, last year... I mean we thought that too and they kind of disappointed a little bit but I think this year I think they've addressed the problems they needed to. Uh they've really upgraded uh the they've really upgraded this team uh, offensively on that side of the ball. Um and I think they're they're just a really really dangerous team and definitely the best team uh, in this division.
0: I'd agree with that 110%. So With that, we have now managed to navigate our way through 12 teams of this preview, and done so, actually, and I think a surprisingly reasonable amount of time as well.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah.
0: So with that, we have our classic previews here. Player of the Year, Pitcher of the Year, and Championship Matchup and Winner. Normally, we'd go with playoffs, but, I mean... Let's be real, most of this league's making it. We just want a championship matchup, and it's so hard to predict that because we'd have to assume who would pick who uh, to play in the first round. So uh, we'll let you start with the championship matchup. Who do you have winning and who will lose in that championship game? How many games?
1: I hate to be boring, but I'm going to go Kansas City and, and Milwaukee against each other. I think Milwaukee's the clear best team in the East division uh, and listen, I think Fargo Moorhead and Kansas city all play a really good, a really good team. However, I do think that uh, I think this year, even though ugh, I love Kansas city, it's kind of a crapshoot when you get to, when you get to a championship series, I'm going to switch it up this year. I think Milwaukee's going to win the championship against Kansas city. Uh, and I, I say that just because I love this offense so much uh Kansas City you could definitely say it has the advantage on the pitching end of things which is probably true uh however I think Milwaukee's lineup is just really good I think this is the year I think they win their second title in three years over Kansas City could I be wrong and can and uh that would happen absolutely but I'm gonna take them uh, I'm going to take uh the the Milwaukee Milkmen over the Kansas City Monarchs in five
0: games oh it goes to distance I would agree with that I Again, I know normally I'd like to have controversy here. That would almost make me want to pick Fargo over uh, Kansas City. But in the end, I, I have to agree with you. I I think Kansas City is going to make the final. I think it's going to probably be Milwaukee. Milwaukee also benefits from having, just quite frankly, a weaker division to play in. So, I mean, whoever their first-round matchup is going to be is going to be a lot easier. It's probably going to go two games before it's done. Um, <clears throat> that said, I will differ. I... And again, I understand it's boring to just pick the guy that won last year and it doesn't really, it's not entertaining, but I do think it's Kansas City over Milwaukee. I think Kansas City's just a more well-rounded team. I agree. I think it goes five, though, because these two teams are kind of mono emono type teams. Uh, it's just at the end of the day, I'm more inclined to go with pitching over batting because you can keep runs off the board. I understand no one's ever won a zero-zero ball game, but at a certain point, uh, pitching matters a little bit more because you can't keep runs off the board and you're getting into a slugfest. I'm just inclined to go with the team that could possibly have Matt Adams and uh, John Hernandez going back to back. That's a very, very, very scary thought, although they these lineups are more even than they would probably seem. Yeah,
1: they're... You could definitely go either way, and uh, yeah. I could. I would not be surprised if Kansas City were to win it. However, I do think that that's what my championship series would be.
0: Yeah, right. What are you going for MVP?
1: Give me John Hernandez. Uh-huh. I love John. I love John Hernandez. Give me some John Hernandez. I think with a full season in Kansas City, I think he wins it because he's got power. He's got he's got everything you could possibly want. He can hit for contact as well. Uh, I was very close second as Keon Barnum, and my I was those are the two I was grappling with. However, I'm gonna go with John Hernandez. I just think he's a stud, and I think he uh, I think he wins it for Kansas City. I think he's my MVP?
0: Not a bad pick at all. He's certainly, in the conversations, one of the leading candidates. Same thing with Barnum having won previously in 2019. That being said... I'm inclined to go a little bit of a different route. I'm going Josh Altman. I'm very, very big on Josh Altman. He showed a lot of power, a lot of contact, and doing all that as a shortstop as well really gets me. I think he could repeat that. There's no reason why he couldn't. Uh, so I'm very big on him. I liked what he did last year. And More importantly, I think he's the kind of guy that could very well wind up staying the whole year. And that's something that you have to factor in as well when you make these predictions. Who is going to be around the whole length? I think Altman could. That's really one of my few concerns as well, though. I could equally see him getting picked up in June. But I think he stays the whole year. I think he has a solid year. Again, another plus 300 batting season. And if he hit 25, 30 home runs, I would not be surprised in the least bit. He's a solid all-around ball player in my eyes.
1: Certainly a good choice there. And I think for, for pitcher of the year, I, again, a lot of guys that, that I think that I definitely considered. However, I'm going to stick with my, I'm going to stick with Michael Bowden. And I think Michael Bowden with a full year, I think that home run rate kind of evens out a little bit from what it did last year. Um, I think he is one, I think he's definitely one of the best pitchers. I think he's the, going to be the best pitcher. And I also think he has a decent chance of sticking around the whole season. Again, like you mentioned, something you got to factor in. Uh, I think uh, I think that he throws strikes, he pounds the strike zone, uh, and I just think he is a really, really good arm, and I think uh, he's going to be my pitcher of the year. I think he's a stud, and um, I've had a lot of faith in him in the past. I have it again. I think he wins it.
0: Not a bad pick at all. He's certainly one that I considered heavily as well. For me, though, I'm going to wind up going a little bit off the board and... I was going to say Kyle I because part of me wants to go with Kim, and I think he's going to have a really solid year as well, but I just don't see Lincoln having two guys like that and still being this kind of borderline uh, team. I'm instead going to go with, with, uh, let me make sure I have the name correct, because I always get this confused. I'm going with Kevin McGovern, maybe a boring pick. He's a guy that's been good for so long, but I think at his age now, he's probably not getting picked up again. I think we saw last year what he's truly capable of doing. And if he can have another Renaissance season like that instead of the whole year, I think you're going to be very hard-pressed to not give him that award. Plus, if this is his last year, which, I mean, would we really be shocked if it was, it just kind of seems like the thing where I could see him getting that as kind of the sending off... Uh, of this of the career there. But even still I think he's going to be a deserving M V P ongoing or not M V P pitcher of the year, ongoing Kevin McGovern, uh from Fargo Moorhead.
1: Yeah, I like I like that McGovern's a, he's he's a stud he's a stud as well. I thought it was, see, I almost viewed McGovern as too easy of a pick. So that's why I was <laughs> voted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I could also be very wrong about this, too. I mean, he also had some really rough years leading up to last year as well, too. So maybe it was everything in for that year, too. So who's to say? And who's to say that any of this that we just did will be right? We still have a week away from uh, opening day as we record this, at least as of the time of recording. <clears throat> Every roster is up to date. We went through everything. I only made this preview started Wednesday night, finished it Thursday night. So it should be fairly up to date. Hopefully it stays that way for some time. And uh, it won't be long now before we are doing a Frontier League preview and we'll be watching an awful lot of baseball as well. So hopefully everyone enjoyed this preview. It was a fun one to do. And uh, overall, very much much enjoyed it.
1: Absolutely. So the previous season is... It's always fun, and uh, we love some American Association baseball, so I can't wait to see how it shakes out.
0: Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent there. And also, one thing I neglected to mention, and just remember because I forgot to put it in the preview, if you want to watch American Association baseball this year, you can do so by via the subscription service, which is their aabaseball.tv uh, it's i believe 15 a month now which is a little steep i will admit that if you're only watching one team or watching you know only like a handful of games a week it, it's probably a little steep but if you're watching you know a couple games a night or a game a night they also have other programming they're putting out there on there as well there's team specific content as well there's a lot of very interesting um kind of uh content that'll be there too so maybe it's something of note there it's better than the flow uh sports streams that the frontier league's going with so it's something of note should you uh, be interested in that i believe team radio broadcasts are free and available too so if you want to go that route you could go with that route as well
1: yeah absolutely absolutely
0: and so with that that'll just about do it for us this week we'll go to the plugs and then we'll get out of here if you want to follow the show, you could do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can do so on Instagram at ALPB underscore news and at Indie Ball Report. If you want to find the links to anything we discussed here today, which is pretty much just going to be, uh, the stat pages for the two leagues and maybe some links to, uh, to the one article I mentioned. Briefly, when we are talking with the Sioux uh, Falls uh, updates and whatnot, and I guess possibly episode links, but we list them off, so you could just find that on your podcatcher. You can find that, or the team previews, actually, that uh, we mentioned. That's all on the website under show notes and under articles. Uh, our website, of course, is indiebarport.com. So be sure to go there and check that out if you want more detailed recaps of the 2021 season or links to anything we discussed or any of the shows uh, that were mentioned. You can also find the show wherever you find podcasts. That's TuneIn, that's Stitcher, that's Spotify, that's Podomatic, that's Apple Podcasts. That's like I said, just about any podcatcher got them. your favorite platform, rate, review, and subscribe if you're able to do so. Helps the show grow. We were just outside the top 100 podcasts on Podomatic, actually, this past week. We got to 102, but we couldn't quite break through that barrier. Hopefully, we can break through that barrier this week and get her done this time. Uh, so that's a, a goal of ours. We're not that far off. We've slunk down since, but I think we can rally and break that 100 marker for the first time uh, this week. So let's see if we can't get that done. With that said, do we have anything else left to add?
1: Well, the only thing else I have to add is let's go Celtics.
0: We are about one, maybe two playoff rounds away from reading a wonderful tweet I saw back in, I believe it was January or December. So I'm, I'm rooting <laughs> for those Celtics as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know.
0: Because that's going to be the cold open that week. It won't be talking about anything that happened. We could have, you know, Jake DeGrom leave the Mets and sign in the sign for probably Kansas City or Lexington, if we're being real. Sign with one of the... No, wait, my mistake. He's a Met, so he'll be a Duck. So he'll wind up signing with Long Island. And my intro will just be reading a tweet as opposed to talking about Jacob DeGrom. I'm looking forward to that greatly.
1: I... You know what? I, I will gladly take it in exchange for a Celtics championship. So
0: so we're, we're close to that. I don't really have too much to add. There's NHL playoffs on, which makes it very difficult to watch indie ball. But I try to manage them both. It's like every other week. If the Rangers are playing, I'm watching that. If uh, they're not playing, then I'm watching indie ball. It's back and forth. It's a very fun time in sport. We'll leave it at that because there's really not much else to watch. Uh, much else to say i will also say one thing though because i did just think of something saw the northman about a week ago very good movie very much recommended it is graphic but it is fun so go on with that information do as you will with that uh so with that said and nothing else left to add until next time don't forget to play ball